Most large companies have a people analytics team and most senior executives crave good people data. But when did data become so sexy in HR? And is people analytics something we should celebrate or perhaps fear? Welcome to Talking HR Trends with Natal and Tom. I'm Natal Dank. And I'm Tom Hack. And we explore the latest hot topics and business issues impacting the people side of organisations. Stick around to the end for our practical top tip. And if you find this discussion valuable, please subscribe. So, Tom, in the past, uh, when I back conferences and people are exploring people analytics and data, there seemed to be this feeling that while it was a hot topic and everyone was talking about it, no one was really doing it well. Have things now changed? What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's changed, but it's going relatively slow, I would still Mm. say. Yeah. Uh, You know, those different phases of people analytics, starting with uh, reporting and then, yeah, the ultimate is kind of uh, predictive analytics. Yes, the, the stairway that I think Deloitte calls it, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Most organizations are still in this kind of reporting phase, I would say. How do we yeah. get the basic people data on the yes. table? But uh, uh, some companies are moving fast. Yeah, no, there's definitely some really interesting case studies and kind of linked to concepts of the listening strategy and then also this kind of you know, if you mix it with design thinking, you're driving a whole kind of reinvention of the employee experience, which is really quite interesting. Um, so I think the best way to talk about people analytics is to link it to a HR topic. And a great one to explore today would be diversity, equity, and inclusion. So could you give us an example um, and talk through the benefits of people analytics by connecting it to that topic for us? This is typically one of those subjects where the question is, do organizations really take it serious? Yeah, yes? very much so. Yeah. It's a separate discussion, but that's the starting point. If you really take it serious, you say, mm-hmm. we want to do something in this area, diversity, inclusion, equity, then analytics can be very powerful. Yes. But not just by measuring how many, for example, how many women in senior positions no. and then looking at it and hoping that it will improve. And I've seen examples of organizations that have taken it serious. We talked in another episode about the employee journey. If you look at that employee journey and you measure specific gender aspects, Mm -hmm. you get a lot of valuable data. Mm, For example, I'll give you a couple of data points out of that analysis that I saw. Uh, For example, interviews. They looked at interviews, men, men, men women. I'm the selector. For example, I'm a man. I interview a man or I interview a woman. The average length of the interviews, there was a difference of around 15 minutes. Yeah. Where men, men were 15 minutes longer than men, women. Why? And they dived into the content as well. Men, men is a little bit more relaxed. They first Mm. talk uh, small talk, the usual uh, men thing, Mm -hmm. whatever, football, cars, you can imagine what. And then the interview starts. Mm. Men, women, I'm a little bit more cautious. And so I start immediately the interview and there already the conscious bias is already happening in those. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Similar, that's not out of that research, but you also saw 
recently uh, research about the length of time women talk in meetings. Yes, yes, I yes, saw that. You read yeah. that? Yeah? Yeah. That, yeah. that in, in generally in management team meetings, the women are cut off faster and quicker by the chairman if he's a man than men. Yeah, so I know. Interesting. That's also yeah. a data point. Talking time per gender. Yeah. Well, and that, you can... Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was Go just going to say, I think yeah. it's really interesting because you can take action on that, can't you? And it sort of separates it from some of the emotions that are connected to this topic and it makes it much more fact-based. So, you know, we need to make sure that every gender uh, and different uh, representation have airtime in meetings, you know, and so yeah. how could yeah. we do that? And that's something that you can focus on in a very practical way. I think that's a really interesting Th- case this study. This research, yeah. this example is gave a lot of, for example, interviews are for 45 minutes, not Mm -hmm. 45 minutes. And these are the questions. These are the discussion points. This is the structure. But it goes also back to where do you search for candidates? Which universities? And the sourcing, there it already starts. As some companies are continuous looking at the same universities. Yeah, that does not create the type of diversity uh, uh, you want. And then the challenge is... eh, to go from the one-time research, many organizations, they do a lot of one-time research to go to continuous measurement, continuous listening, monitoring what you're doing. Hey, we said interviews are 45 minutes. Well, how do we track that? How do we follow that? And are we seeing greater representation as a result? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's super powerful. Yeah, very powerful. I think what's interesting about diversity, equity, inclusion as well is that data is so key. So a lot of organizations I talk to say, oh, we really need better data to understand just the mix of people we have in the organization so we can understand how to change and and improve our representation. But that also takes time because you've got to make people feel comfortable and safe about giving information about who they are um, and what their preferences are. So that's also something to, to consider there. How do you demonstrate that you're going to use data in a good way um, so people trust, you know, giving you their data. I think that's an interesting aspect to the topic as well. Yeah, it's not a quick uh, not a quick fix. It's not, no. And you no. actually need to spend time yeah. getting people comfortable, showing them how you're going to use the data, um, having good discussions around it. So I thought, uh, and that came up in uh, this strategy session I was in the other day, and so I thought that was very interesting. And that kind of takes me into my next question, which is what I'm finding around people analytics is there's lots of discussions about the good and bad data, but then it seems to quickly go into this sort of fear, you know, scary stories around uh, predictive analysis and are we going to, you know, hire and fire based on the the data or the, the algorithm as opposed to what is the right thing for the organisation. So what's your thoughts here? Is this something we should fear or is people analytics a good thing generally? I don't think we should fear, but we should be conscious of biases. It's not as if suddenly if we have the data, then everything is clear. Our expectations should not be too high and we should do it in a very sensible way. And that you Mm -hmm. see, you see a lot of amateurism. People yeah. gathering some data and they're not really statistically very illiterate. You need some eh? good skills in this in this area, Absolutely. don't you? Absolutely. And that's the danger. One of the dangers is that in the hands, yeah, you know, we know that in, in the wrong hands, you can prove anything with data. 
And even in the right hands, well, that's also a wrong strategy. But sometimes you see that, that people just gather data, gather data, gather data, mm -hmm. put it in a box. Then you find always something. Yes, exactly. So what you were saying, I totally, uh, it starts with the questions. Mm -hmm. It doesn't start with gathering the data and looking what the data tells us. So we should not be afraid, but we should be very professional. And we should be using it in the right way. Exactly. How are we solving problems with this data as opposed to creating amazing algorithms just to predict the future that, you know, it's about having good conversations and really activating different aspects of your organization. I'd like to leave a practical top tip around using data. And for years, I found that HR teams have tended to favor activity-based metrics rather than impact-based metrics. So how many people went to the learning program? How many people filled in their development plan? If we only look at the activity, we're never going to go deep enough and understand if we're solving the problem. So let's flip it. As a result of going to the learning program, what has happened? Has the capability gap decreased? Are the people doing something different with the customers? Are you getting better results? This is what we need to explore. So move on from activity-based metrics and start looking at the impact and you'll be able to articulate the value to the business so much more. Thanks so much for your time today, Tom. This is Talking HR Trends with Natal and Tom. If you found this discussion valuable, please subscribe. Cheers.